Hi guys, I'm Yanis. Uh, I am a lecturer in the law school and as everybody else, I have accidentally spent the last year teaching online at Westminster as well as in other places. And what I've been trying to do, I've been trying to think about the extent to which we can bring our teaching to our students through social media. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about today. Probably the question that occupies everybody is why social media and what are we trying to achieve by using social media in our teaching. The primary reason, if I can be honest with you, is that I am very bored. So I was just looking for stuff to do. And we find ourselves in the context of the pandemic and all the time that we spent working from home and kind of sat on a chair in front of a webcam, most people found this to be very isolating. And we also found ourselves in a role of content providers producing so much stuff and producing so much content that is not necessarily seen, that is not necessarily seen by a lot of people. One of the ways that you can engage with social media is to find also outlets for all this content that you have been producing that otherwise might just sit on the virtual learning environment without a lot of people seeing it. So one of the primary incentives that I had to get involved to reach a wider audience. I wanted to bring my stuff not simply to the students that I registered on my modules, but I wanted to bring it to the attention of potentially future students, the general public out there who might be interested in the topic, encourage new people to come in and join us. And perhaps as an opportunity for other people to know what I do, um, an entry point for collaborations with other colleagues, there's all these sorts of things that reaching a wider audience can generate for you. Also, it's an opportunity in being creative outside the strictures of strictly what you went to produce for your own students within the university. Students within the university. You all probably have been advised by your managers to use the house style in producing slides or to do your podcasts or your lecture recordings using particular software recommended by the university or to do these kind of weird screen capture things that we've got or perhaps record news meetings. Using university equipment or using university platforms or using university designs can be very limiting in your creativity. So maybe you want to design something for yourselves or maybe you want to express yourself in a freer way through your educational content in producing something new. You can use experience of putting some of your educational content on social media, not simply as a way of reaching a wider audience, but you can also uh, use it as an opportunity to be a little bit more creative with the things that you do. Other reasons why we might be doing this. Maybe you want to test some content. The problem that we've got in dealing with our own, in dealing with our own students at uni is that we are evaluated by these students on the product that we give them. And we are under this constant cycle of feedback and feeding back information. The problem with throwing something new to your existing cohort of students is that if they don't like, then this comes back to you in terms of negative feedback. It is bad for your evaluations. It is bad for your perception. It is actually bad for your self-esteem. So if there was a way to test product before you give it to your students, so you can actually anticipate a little bit the responses, you might be able both to produce better content and also to be safer in the expectations that you're going to have when the students put in their formal feedback. Putting some of your educational content on social media 
can give you the opportunity to test something and see how people react to it before you actually give it to the people who've paid to access this content. It's also a great opportunity for recycling your content. How many of you feel that we're making all this stuff and we're throwing this stuff out there and it just doesn't seem to be used again? I mean, we've all had the experience of designing and delivering a module just for a session or two. What happens with all this material? What happens with all your lecture? What happens with all your prep? If you never get to teach that stuff again, then this all goes to waste. If you could, however, recycle them into something different, you could recycle them into a podcast, into some sort of presentation, in some educational material that you can feed through social media, then this gives it another life and it gives it use and it gives the assurance that the stuff that you've done remain valuable and useful to at least some people. I've already mentioned the opportunities of keeping control over your content if you select the platform and you select the delivery of this content. So if you're engaging in various types of social media, then you select, you give, how you give it and when you give it. This is not controlled by the university and this can give you additional opportunities to do stuff in the way that fit the pace of your work better. I already mentioned the opportunity of making connections both with existing students, future students, perhaps colleagues that you have colleagues that you can work with. And the university expects us, it is actually part of the job, to engage in a degree of knowledge exchange. This knowledge exchange can be achieved through social media and through connections in the same way that it can be done through formal collaborations with other institutions or with outside the university, such as school, colleges and the like. And finally, some of the other things that happens is that in your attempt to engage with new content in social media, you can develop new skills. You can learn how to do things that are fun to do, but they're also quite useful for the rest of your life. Out how to record audio, how to record video, how to edit both video and audio, how to make nice presentations, how to improve your graphics. All of these things are both opportunities for you to express your creative side, but also an experience to learn things that then come and enhance your work. And it can help you break into new areas. I mean, look how all this work that I've done over this year on disengagement with social media, I'm thinking that I could do a little bit more structured research on it. I've learned it from a practical point of view, but I can also learn the literature on the pedagogy behind it, and that will help me to understand it better and become better at it. And last but not least is having a little bit of fun. You know, this is all boring, isn't it? It is so boring. And you don't get a great deal of feedback from the students while you're delivering. So you need something to actually keep you motivated and to keep you going and to keep you active and to be creative. So all this engagement with some outside platform can actually give you the opportunity to do this. Right, now let's take a step back because I'm talking about social media in a general sense as if it is something that is, you know, of one type or it is necessarily understood by everybody. So let me explain uh, in a bit more detail what I mean by social media. I've tried pretty much everything, but not everything has worked out and perhaps not everything is as easy to use as you would think. My primary methods of communication with the students have been through YouTube and Facebook. Now, I've also tried things like, I mean, I've been on Twitter for donkey's years, but tw Twitter isn't a medium that is contemporary to the students. I mean, these things move very fast. 
even if I consider myself to be young, the students don't consider me to be young. So the types of social media that I'm on are not the same as the ones that they're on. So this is definitely something to think about when you're trying to reach different audiences. The medium that you use will reach different age groups and different profiles of students. So I've been trying to use all of them to see what I'm going to get with them and which one gives me the better response. I've included open learn in this list. Open learn is not strictly social media, but open learn is a platform in which you, in which you can design your own mini courses and guides and so on and make them available outside the, the VLE. So they're available to the wider public. So I consider it a form of social connection and interaction. And this is why I'm including it here. But the primary medium, social medium, would be Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, as you see on this list. Now, which ones have worked and which ones haven't and how? Now, this is a, a little bit of a screenshot of my efforts in the various uh, platforms. So I've been using Twitter, as I started saying earlier, for a very long time, primarily uh, to establish contact with people that under normal circumstances would not return your emails. That would be politicians, that would be journalists, uh, media personnel. You normally have got no other way to get to. So this has worked successfully for me in that regard. But students are not really on Twitter. I was hoping that I could use Twitter as a form of notice board to send information to students about what is happening or as a kind of log or a log of useful things under a hashtag that they could go and kind of pick up information about developments in corporate law or whatever. But even though I tried to do this, it hasn't really worked because the students are simply not on that platform. What about Facebook? Facebook is a fantastic underutilized resource. And the weird thing about Facebook is that even though the students will not necessarily be on it for fun, they might be on it if they think that there's something to be gained out of participation in a Facebook group. So there's a lot of Facebook groups. These are run externally to the university. They're independent of it and they're run by students where the students get together to support each other discuss their experiences of study, exchange study tips. They don't use it so much to cheat because you might be getting the idea here that they might be exchanging answers to, the, to their coursework in the Facebook groups. I haven't experienced any of this. Facebook groups seem to fulfill a need for connection and togetherness of the students. And this has been very important, especially during these last couple of years where our social interaction has been disrupted due to the pandemic, I find that a lot of students have turned to Facebook groups to keep together. Now, Facebook groups are good for us because they generate a great deal of traffic because there are so many people on them. The easiest way to raise awareness about something or to direct traffic to something else where you put your resource can happen through Facebook. The university has had debates as to whether uh, official Facebook sites uh, should be used or could be used or uh, can help for uh, student interaction. But there's a great deal of concern about the content that is being exchanged, who will moderate them and how. If you let the students do it themselves, it gets a little bit better. If you run a Facebook group, so long as you're fairly sensible about it, it can also be a communication and connection point for the students so the students can then find a place to work together, but you can also have a platform to pass on information to them. So I've been running a few Facebook groups. 
Um, one is primarily on contract law and the and the SQE, which is the new exam for solicitors and kind of helping people to prepare for that. I've got another one that was for PhD study that now has become more of a kind of get-together place for my own students from various institutions I'm involved in. The most important of the social media sites is YouTube. It is a free resource and you can do whatever you want with it. You can upload with it on it anything you want and you can either choose it to make it available to the wider public or you can choose it or choose to share it with certain people and control the permissions so in case you're concerned about maintaining control of that content and if you're concerned about your copyrights or if the content that you're putting up there that to you and belongs to the university and you're worried about this there are ways in which you can restrict access within youtube to make that safe but if your aim is to communicate with other people, YouTube is the best avenue through which to share content, generate content, and test that content. And, that, and I'm getting back to the point that we discussed product testing and how you can product test on YouTube. The, the great opportunity uh, that you have with social media is that you have analytics and information on the usage and the type of usage that you don't have on the VLE. So Blackboard will give you certain types of analytics. Um, eVision that we use at Westminster will also give you some types of analytics, but these are, you know, you have to be a computer scientist either to be able to use it or to understand what it says. What you want is user-friendly, understandable, accessible analytics. And you get this from YouTube. Much have been in the form of video casts on YouTube. The reason for this is that I could check exactly when the students were looking at it, what they were looking at, how long they were spending on it, and if they were offering any feedback and so on, I had instant reactions available to me. To me. I would not be able to do this if I was reliant on VLE analytics that would, also, that would only tell me whether somebody has logged on to the VLE, but they don't tell me what they've done once they've been on there. That has to do with podcasts and material given to the students I was actually teaching. How about the material that was directed to everybody else? The benefit of that was the benefit of that was that everybody watches it and then everybody tells you what they think about it. They give you the thumbs up or they give you the thumbs down. So you've got instant reactions and instant feedback on the various types of products that you've put together. You know which graphics works, which doesn't. You can tell whether the of a podcast is appropriate or not. You can tell whether the content is interesting. You get some feedback as to whether you should improve the pace, the graphics, the, the connection, the topics themselves, which sort of topics sell. Um, okay, they don't sell in that sense, but which sort of topics are interesting for the students and connect with their experience. experience. Using YouTube as a product testing platform has been huge. Have you heard of the freemium model, uh, also known as the kind of Spotify model? The idea that you make some content available for free as a taster or as a lure for the customer, and then you get them to pay something extra for a premium service. Now, this idea is already used in education. And if you look at successful platforms like FutureLearn, which was originally uh, an open university idea, but now that it's spun off as a separate business. The idea behind FutureLearn is that it offers the, a MOOC, which is the kind of mass online blind participation event for anybody who's interested, that is free. You just register and access it. 
But if you want a certificate of completion or a certificate of attainment, or if you want to keep academic credits, then you need to pay something in order to attain this. So the idea of a freemium is that you get a part of the product available for free, and then if you want a top-up valuable service, then they will charge you for it. All of this engagement with social media could be understood from a marketing perspective as a type of freemium model for academia where we use part of our content, make it available to the wider public to advertise our existence, our capacity, our potential, um, demonstrate why our things are interesting, and then bring in people who will sign on to our programs to get the full experience, get the full documentation, get the certification that comes with them attending these, these products or attending these degrees and these courses, and that way we reach a wide audience, we have an impact on society by spreading knowledge and expertise, but then we maintain our income inflow because people will still need to come to us in order to attain their certificates and complete their training. So I was never afraid of giving away stuff for free on the internet because in any case, this was stuff that was going to waste because it was kind of sitting there because it was from courses that I have done in the past or material that I prepared for myself. So it wasn't generating any income. It wasn't providing any value for the university. It wasn't providing any value for the, for the users. It wasn't doing anything at all. So now, yes, it's available for free, but it is available for free in a way that it generates connection, interest, potential revenue, collaborations, and all of these things. Is this something that you want to do? Do you want to be engaged with a wider public? Do you want to be engaged with your students outside the classroom? And do you see a benefit in doing that? Or that effort and that significant effort that you make on your daily teaching and kind of creating a spin-off enterprise out of this where you put stuff on social media? Is this just a distraction from anything else that you want to do? Or, you know, or is this perhaps an assault on your free time? Brought to you by Iglinavos E-Learning. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please go to the YouTube site and subscribe for more. Thank you and goodbye.